Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this service of worship. If you are worshiping with us for what is one of the first times this morning, we want to say an especially warm welcome to you. If you are a visitor in our midst, we invite you following worship to head through the doors to your left and to the welcome desk where you will find folks who have bright yellow name tags who are there to greet you and to answer any questions that you might have about the life and ministry of this congregation, as well as to pick up a welcome bag, which has information, but also a homemade treat, a sign of our gratitude for your presence with us in worship this day. I do invite all of you to find those blue friendship pads that are located at the end of your pews. And if you would take them and sign them and pass them down the row, we invite you to note the names of those who you are worshiping next to so that you might greet one another personally by name following our service this morning. On the back page of your worship bulletin, you will find announcements about things that are upcoming. I want to highlight just two things for you this morning. Today at 2 p.m. here in the sanctuary, the Reverend Sarah R. will be installed as the associate pastor for youth and young adults, and all are welcome to this special service and celebration. Reverend Tom R., pastor of Village Presbyterian Church in Kansas City, and Sarah's dad will be preaching the service. So come and celebrate Sarah's ministry in our midst. Today is Presbyterian Women Sunday. PW is a national organization of the PCUSA that offers an opportunity for all women of this congregation to engage in Bible study and fellowship and service. And at this time, I'd like to invite forward Pat Coggin to say a word about this important and special ministry in our midst. Good morning. I'm, I'm Pat Cogan, this year's moderator of Presbyterian Women and at Preston Hollow. We have an insert in today's bulletin telling you about us and our activities. We are interested in having you women join us for one of our vibrant groups. We meet for Bible study, fellowship, and outreach. We're different ages, different ethnic backgrounds, and different interests. Our pastors lead our Bible study this year, which is entitled, God's Promise, I Am With You. Look for our meeting times and places in your weekly bulletin. Our first meetings, which are all held at the church, are September the 10th and 11th. This morning, there are ladies in the atrium in green aprons who can answer your questions about Presbyterian women. Come and check us out. I think you'll be pleased, and I know you'll be welcome. Thank you. Friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God this day.
Please join me in the call to worship. Storytelling God, we come to this place to hear the stories of our faith. In our worship, bring the words of our ancestors to life and help us to enter into these stories of hope. Storytelling God, we recognize your presence in the stories of our lives. In our worship, remind us that you call us by name, you hold our lives in your hands, and you weave us together in the holy community. Storytelling God, you are still writing a story of love. In our worship, prepare us for the story to the world. Let us worship God. our sin before God and other, one another. Let us pray. God of us all, in our haste to succeed, 
hear and believe the good news of the gospel, we are saved by grace and In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. children for our time together. Good morning. Come on down. Good morning. Good morning. Let's see, grab a pillow and a space. There's plenty of room for everybody. today. This Sunday is a very special Sunday. You want to know why? Today is Baptism Sunday. And guess what? We have six babies being baptized today. Oh my gosh, six. So I wonder, what is baptism? Yeah. Do we sprinkle water on them? God blesses you. That's right. What is baptism? Your baby's being baptized? That's wonderful. So some of you get to be big brothers and big sisters and stand up here while God blesses us. One way that we talk about baptism is we talk about God blessing us. We also say it's a way that God uses water to say, I love you. And God has done that over and over again in our Bible. In the beginning, in creation, God separated the waters as a way of saying, I love you. 
And with Noah in the boat, God put a rainbow in the sky when the floodwaters receded as a way of saying, I love you. And then Jesus was baptized, right? And God said, I love you. And so with water, ordinary water, God makes extraordinary promises to each one of you. God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. So today, whether you are a big brother and sister and you are standing up with your family for baptism, or whether you are watching with your families in your pews, you can remember today that God says, I love you. And when we sprinkle water, we say, you can remember your baptism. So you ready to remember your baptism? Say, I love you. I love you. God says, I love you. Did you feel it? We got to get all the folks down here. Say, I love you. Did you get a drop? Friends, will you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Please repeat after me. All right. Let's put our prayer hands. Dear God, thank you for water. Thank you for big promises. In which you say, I love you. Friends, remember your baptism today, and you can return to your seats. Thank you so much. Friends, let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, giver of life, breathe into us that we may hear a word of truth this day. Draw us into communion. Allow us to love. Conspire to make us one with you for the world you so deeply love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you're visiting with us this morning, another word of welcome to you. We are so grateful that you are here, that you're worshiping at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. And you, you should know this, you're entering into a, a season and a time in our community of faith where we are continuing a conversation that we've been having all summer. We have taken six of the greatest stories in the Bible, like uh, think greatest hits albums, right? And then uh, we're, we've taken six uh, stories that maybe you've never heard of in your life, and we have blended them together into a sermon series called A Summer Mixtape, The Great Stories of Faith. And today, today we're going we're gonna to read two passages. The first is going to give us a bit of context to the second passage, and I'm not going to talk about it immediately, but I'll come back to it. But the second passage that we're going to read together is, uh, is a story a great story of faith that we often just fly right by, that we don't pay much attention to, and, and I'm included in that. 
So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day, first from the Gospel of Matthew and then the Gospel of Luke. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And now from the Gospel of Luke. Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's chief steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover here in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. And so we ask this morning that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they might be your word to us here and now. We also pray, O God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So several years ago, when I was an associate pastor at a previous church, I received an email one day. It was a very formal email from a woman in the church who was interested in doing a mission project around Christmas time that would benefit our Haiti partners. I had, uh, had just gotten to the church and I didn't know everyone yet and it was a name that I wasn't familiar with. So I looked her up in the database, the church database, and I couldn't find a photo. So I went to old directories and uh, there wasn't a photo of this church member. So I responded as formally as I could back to this very formal email. I would be happy to meet with her And we set up a time to meet, and honestly, I didn't think any more of it. The day came that we were to meet, and the receptionist, Miss Nancy, called from downstairs, and she said, Matthew, your your 2 o'clock appointment has arrived. And I said, great, Miss Nancy, I'll be right downstairs. And so I walked down, and there were all these people gathered around the receptionist's desk. There were some children who uh, were being picked up from our preschool program. There were some uh, older adults who had just gotten back from an outing. I think they had been at lunch. And then there were some, uh, you know, young people. And I looked at Miss Nancy, and I didn't know who my 2 o'clock appointment was with. And so Miss Nancy, through this piece of glass, sort of like the one that we used to have over in our reception area, she sort of looked at me and went... (laughs) And she pointed to this 11-year-old girl sitting in a chair by the front door. And I pointed at her and looked at Miss Nancy and she said, yes. 
And so I walked over to Shelby and I said, Shelby, I'm so glad to meet you. And she says, it's good to meet you. And I did what I always do when anyone comes to visit me. I say, can I get you a cup of coffee? <laughs> and Shelby did what some of you just did. She rolled her eyes at me. And she said, no, I've come here for business. I want to talk to you about a plan that I have about Haiti. For the next hour, Shelby sat down with me at this table and she outlined her plan. She's 11 years old. She had a plan for how we could care for our church partners in Haiti on the island of Laganov. And I got to tell you. Shelby left that meeting and she put her plan into action. And you know what happened? That plan ended up drawing 75 volunteers at Christmas time. Those 75 volunteers gathered and packaged thousands of items for our church partners in Haiti and they shipped them out at Christmas time. I got to tell you. When I walked downstairs and I looked at Miss Nancy, I didn't anticipate that kind of outcome from Shelby. When I got her email, I'm not so sure I could have envisioned 75 people coming together, packaging thousands of items for our church in Haiti. And if I'm being really honest, even after that first meeting, I, I'm not so sure. Shelby would have been able to accomplish all that she did. I mean, she was 11 years old, for crying out loud. She had never organized a big group of people before in her life. She was 11, so she didn't have a college degree. <laughs> she wasn't a big donor that could, you know, just go to her pocketbook and stroke a check. I mean, she was 11. How could I have seen the impact that Shelby could have made? In my defense, how could I have... <laughs> ever seen that God saw her differently than I did and God worked through her in ways that I could have never imagined so the question is why can't we see what God sees you know I've been thinking about that question this week why can't we see what God sees and as I've been reflecting on that question this week I think it's because we often see what the world has taught us to see. We know that. We're taught to see the lines that tell us to measure our expectations based on people's perceived qualifications. So where'd you go to school? What firm did you say you were with again? Oh, y'all just got back from vacation? Where'd you go? Here's the real kicker. Where do your kids go to school? Nervous laugh there. Where do you live? What part of town? These questions help us to determine in some way, in some way, who is worthy and who is not. And the answers to these questions influence us as to whether people are capable of rising to our standards or our expectations. But the funny thing is, throughout the Bible, the Bible is uh, full of stories about people that the world overlooks. People that the world deems not qualified, dare I say unusable. But the Bible is a, a book full of stories about how God not only calls those people, not only claims those people, but how God works through them. 
I mean, how many times have we read this particular passage that I just read, the second one from the Gospel of Luke this morning, and flown right by it, not even noticing the names that we were reading? How many times do we read about the 12 disciples, and later we can't even recount who all 12 are? Can you raise your hand and name them for me this morning? Nope, nervous laugh again. I admit, most of the time, I I skip right over this passage, and I get right to the parable of the sower, right? I want to know if my life is fertile ground, rocky soil. I want to know that. I don't notice these women. Did you know that uh, only 93 women speak in the Bible? That's the entire Bible. 93 women speak. Of those, four, of those 93 women who speak, only 49 are named. Women only speak an estimated 1.1% of the words spoken in the Bible. There are some men that are looking at me sort of surprised right now, and some women going, I'm not surprised. <laughs> we have to understand that women in the Bible weren't seen as having worth or influence. They weren't seen as having qualifications or power. And more often than not, when women are named in the Bible, they are known by their affliction, their circumstance, their family relationship, or their life stage in the Bible. So when three women show up at the end of our passage this morning, and not only are they named, but their affliction also goes along with their name, tornado sirens should go off. The gospel writer is trying to tell us to pay attention. There is something going on in this passage. These three women were women who were once afflicted, who didn't count, who were once on the furthest margins of society. And now they're being named in the Bible? And not only being named, they're called disciples. Followers of Jesus, followers of the Son of God. These are women that the world would have certainly overlooked. But God saw them differently. For instance, the first one is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene suffered from seven demons, and apparently Jesus healed her of all seven demons, and someone was around, and they counted as each demon came out. The world doesn't tend to value those who have demons. Maybe that's why we all try to hide our own. But can you imagine, just for a second, Mary Magdalene's perspective on the world, on life? Can you imagine her view on commitment and love and friendship? Mary Magdalene is healed of her seven demons and her healing transforms her life and gives her an entire new perspective. She ends up giving her whole life to Jesus. She follows him. She is the very first person who arrives at the empty tomb on Easter morning. She becomes the first apostle. She preaches the first sermon ever recorded in history of the resurrection. The world could have never, ever seen that in her. But God saw her differently. Then there's uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who was 
Herod's chief of staff. This is a woman of immense means, influence, and power. Her husband would have been compensated very well as Herod's chief of staff. He'd have been compensated really well because it was his job to manage everything. All the palaces, all the people, all the stuff. But but Herod's chief of staff, his wife learned that not all the money in the world or access to the best doctors could cure her of her illness. Don't you know that this woman felt like she had it all? And yet she had nothing? Then she comes across this young Jesus, and he heals her. And she gives her life to follow him. She trades the palace, the servants, the clothes, the influence for Jesus and his disciples and the Motel 6 where they left the light on for him. And not only does she give her life to Jesus, when the check comes at the dinner table when they're eating out, or when someone has to go in and turn their key into the Motel 6, she picks up the bill. Now I want you to think about this just for one second with me this morning. Her husband is the chief of staff to Herod Antipas. This is why I read our passage from Matthew this morning. Herod Antipas was Herod the Great's son. So Father Herod is the one who, when Jesus was born, was so fearful of the king of the Jews that he ordered that all children should be killed. This is his son, Herod Antipas. His son's chief of staff's wife. pays for Jesus' ministry with Herod the Great's own money. You think the world could have ever seen that? Not a chance. But God sees differently. Finally, there was Susanna. Honestly, we don't know much about Susanna. But we do know that she wouldn't have had access to education or land, and she was possessed by evil spirits all of which totally unqualified her from being a disciple of Jesus Christ, but apparently God sees differently than the world sees. She's named as a disciple right there in Scripture. These three women stand at the end of this sentence, at the end of our Scripture passage this morning, and I believe that they reveal that God claims and works through those that the world deems unqualified, not gifted, not worthy. According to the society in which they lived, everything disqualified them with ministry with Jesus. But according to God, they make Jesus' ministry possible. God sees beyond worldly values. God sees beyond worldly qualifications. Why can't we see what God sees? You know, in 1959, there was a young African-American boy, nine years old, in Lake City, South Carolina. Do you know how small Lake City, South Carolina is? 
I had to look up where Lake City, South Carolina was, and I'm from South Carolina. In 1959, this young African-American boy from Lake City, South Carolina, would walk a mile one way to his public library so he could check out a book. But the problem was uh, the library wasn't so public for black folks. When the boy got to the counter, the librarian told him, now, son, you know that this library is not for coloreds. The boy politely looked at the librarian and said, ma'am, I, I really just want to check out these books. But the librarian scolded him and told the young boy if she didn't leave, he, she was going to call the police. At which point the nine-year-old boy propped himself up on the counter and he said, I'll wait. <laughs> the police arrived. And right after the police arrived, his mom arrived. She found her son sitting on the counter at the library, having a conversation with the police officers and the librarian. The librarian was uh, stating her case to the police. You know that I can't check out books to a colored kid. And the boy responded, but you know I'll return the books on time. I'll return them without them being harmed. And the police just looked at the librarian and said, Ma'am, it's just a book. It's just a book. You can't check out a book to the kid. And reluctantly, the librarian checked out the book. And the boy sort of proudly grabbed his book, hopped down, and his mom stopped him and said, And what do we say to the nice li librarian? <laughs> the boy turned around and he said, Thank you, ma'am. And they walked out. The next week, the boy uh, walked his mile to the library and returned his library book, and he checked out another. You know, he did this every single week for years. He was a voracious reader, and he loved learning. And this young man went on to do exceptionally well at school. He was really good at math and science. He was so good, in fact, during his junior year of high school, his chemistry professor told him about a summer institute for science and math. So that little boy from tiny South Carolina went 300 miles away to participate in the program. He met a professor there who said, you know, uh, son, the highest level of academic achievement that you can reach is a PhD. And young man, I think that you're gifted enough for it. I think you should shoot for it. And the, and the boy said, that sounds like a good idea, sir. I'll get a Ph.D. And he did. He went on to get a Ph.D. from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Physics. Dr. Ronald E. McNair went on to become the second African-American astronaut in the United States. His last space flight was on the NASA space shuttle, the Challenger. He's an American hero. But what the world saw once upon a time was a black kid who couldn't check out a book from the library. And God saw something so different. God saw an astronaut. 
What the world saw was a woman who had been possessed by seven demons. And what God Almighty saw was a disciple of Jesus Christ, an apostle, a preacher. What the world saw was the wife's the wife of the chief of staff of Herod. And she couldn't get any better. That's what the world saw. And what God saw was a disciple of Christ. What a knucklehead young minister saw was an 11-year-old girl. What could she do? And what God saw was a force for good that could connect young and old and care for a church in Haiti, why can't we see what God sees in other people? Which then begs the question, of course, why can't we see what God sees in ourselves? You know, sometimes we write off parts of our lives, parts of our story, because we believe what the world has told us about our own story. But my dear friends, God sees you differently than you see yourself. I want you to know this morning that there is no part of your life. Even that thing that you are thinking right this second, yeah, but he's not talking about this, I'm talking about that. There is no part of your life that is overlooked or off limits from God, for you were made in the very image of God. And God not only sees you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, God sees you as something even more than that. God sees you as God's child, as a son or as a daughter. God claims you and works through your life even the parts that you think disqualify you from God's love, from God's grace, from God's mercy. So uh, something remarkable happened back in 2011. In that tiny little town in South Carolina, Lake City, South Carolina, they held a press conference on the steps of that library and that library is now named the Dr. Ronald E. McNair Life History Center. Because God sees differently than the world sees. You want to talk about good news? Friends, that's the best news we could ever hear. Thanks be to God. Amen. Having heard the word read and proclaimed, I invite you to rise in spirit and body and let us affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose 
for our church and for our community and for our world, I would invite you to take note of those joys and concerns that are listed on the back page of your worship bulletin, that you might remember those members and friends in your prayers in the days ahead. We would also like to add the following to the joys this morning. We celebrate with all of those families who are presenting their children for the sacrament of baptism this day. We also celebrate with our artist in residence, Bradley Hunter Welch, on his appointment as the resident organist and lay family chair for the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. Bradley, congratulations. We will celebrate with you. We are so grateful for Bradley's continued gifts here at Preston Hollow and we'll celebrate with him at a concert here at the church at 2 p.m. on September 30th. So mark your calendars and plan to join us for that joyous event. Following worship today, we do invite you through the doors to your left to the care letters that are underneath the windows in the north transept. Those letters are joys and concerns that get sent to members and friends of this community and beyond. We invite you to add your signature to those letters that they might be your prayer for those individuals. Friends, let us go before a loving God in prayer this morning. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that we are your people, the work of your hands and the sheep of your pasture. In steadfast love, you love us and claim us and call us your own. So we give you thanks this day for that call, for the joy of being part of your work in this world for the risk of living differently, for the burden of walking the way of your service, for our common community found in you. Holy God, through you there is new life happening in us and around us each day. And so we offer you our thanks and our praise this morning for those places where we have experienced that gift of new life for a child baptized, for a marriage blessed, a heart changed, a friendship formed, a job found, a vocation discovered, a faith renewed, for the kindness of strangers who have become friends, for a clearer way forward and a sense of peace when the way is not yet clear for your unexpected grace. Holy God, we know that in your calling is the command to do justice. And so give us the courage to walk alongside our brothers and sisters, caring for all in our community and our city as friends and partners in your human family and household of faith. Loving Lord, be close to any who are sick all who are in the hospital, for any who await relief in the form of surgery or test results, 
God, we also lift up to you this morning all whose hearts grieve the loss of a loved one and are in need of comfort and assurance in the face of death. And we pray for those whose loneliness or depression or anxiety threaten to overwhelm them and who are in need of courage and comfort in the face of life. God, marked as your people, having heard your call and standing on the threshold of our current lives and the promise of our lives as lived in you, we admit that sometimes we are afraid. The obstacles seem too large, the task too big, the risk too much. We shrink from the promises of your future, limiting our own potential and the potential of those around us carefully constructed borders. But holy God, through your living word, we continue to hear faint reminders of a better way. And so help us to risk being your people, following your way for us, you who give us a new place, a new way of being, a new self. Stir us beyond our fear into your abundant future. God, use us. Use us and our gifts for your newness that pushes beyond all that we can ask or imagine. We pray all this in the name of the one who came that we might have life and that we would have it abundantly, and who taught his disciples to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. want to remind you that we offer ways of giving in our Every Dollar Counts monthly uh, gift opportunity. This is part of our offering that is dollar bills and coins that you may place in the offering plate. This month, during the month of August, the gifts are uh, designated to the Presbyterian uh, Children's Homes and Services. Uh, the gifts today will be directed to care packages that will be put, produced, put together, and then given to those who have graduated from group homes that are sponsored by Presbyterian uh, homes, children's homes. So we hope that you will consider that as you make your gifts today. Let us continue to worship God through our gifts of talents, tithes, and our very lives. The ushers will come forward to receive your offering.
friends, let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we are in awe at the ways that you use the likes of us. We are so grateful that you see us the way you see us and not the way that we see ourselves. We return to you these gifts that you have given, that this money and our very lives might bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Invite all the families uh, who are receiving the sacrament of baptism to come forward this morning and to join me up front. Friends, God sees us and sees the world differently than we see ourselves. And baptism teaches us that. For in the waters of baptism, uh, the rules that we play by are fundamentally different than the rules that God plays by. Baptism's uh, less about us and more about God. A God who, before we know who God is, before we even know who our parents are or what love is, God reaches out and claims us as God's own forever. And there's nothing that we could ever do that would cause God to be separated from us. And there are seasons in our lives when all is good and right with us and with God and our relationship is wonderful. And then there are seasons in our life that we sometimes let go of God, but God never lets go of us. The waters of baptism are a visible sign of this invisible reality. And so I invite you as these children receive this promise, this water this day, I invite you to remember your own baptism. That is to say, to remember this promise and its truth in your life. Ken? Fulridge, Riley Lynn Herlihy, Faye De La Scoville, and William Luke Winkleman to be baptized. Shannon and Blair, Liz and Stuart, Allison and David, Stephanie and Scott, Lou and King, Jenny and Will. Do you desire your child to be baptized? If so, please say, I do. Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that Jesus Christ is strongest of all? If so, please say, I do. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day of your life, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ, in all that you say and all that you do, if so, please say, I will. And do you promise to tell your child and your children the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for them and to remember for yourself and for your child that they belong first and always to the love of God, which we know most fully through Jesus Christ our Lord. If so, please say, I do. And friends, as members of the body of Christ gathered as the congregation this day, 
Do we promise to do our part to nurture and guide and pray for Layla and Wilson, Colin and Riley, Dela and William with love and prayer through teaching and service, encouraging them to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus the Christ? If so, please say we do. We do. Friends, let us pray. Holy God, this water is ordinary. It came straight from the tap. But in this water, you make extraordinary promises to Layla and to Wilson, and to Colin and Riley, Dela and William. For in this water, you promise to claim them as your own. In this water, you promise to wrap them in your love. In this water, you seal each of them with a new identity. Child of the covenant. Oh God, it's always been this way with you and water. You hovered over the water at creation to bring forth new life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. Through the waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus, our Savior, was baptized, and you anointed him with your spirit. So send your spirit again, O oh God, to hover over this water, we pray. Surround Layla and Wilson and Colin and Ryla, Riley and Dela and William. Surround them with your grace as they receive a visible sign of it. And renew us all with the gifts of new beginnings and deep belonging. So that with these young ones we may go from here. Enjoy as your beloved family. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. By what name shall this child be baptized? Will you come to me? Layla Emerson. Hey, Layla. Hi. Layla Emerson, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. God loves you. And so do we. Good job, sweetie. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. By what name shall this child be baptized? William Luke. William Luke. Hello, William Luke. William Luke, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. God loves you, and so do we. Aww. By what name shall this child be baptized? Yeah, Wilson, come here. Hi. Wilson, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever, and God loves you so much. <laughs> and so do we. You want to stay with me? Go back to them for one minute. I'll come back and get you. Deal? Hi. We practiced. This can be great. By what name shall this child be baptized? Hi. Riley Lynn, come here. 
child of the covenant, this is water. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For you are marked and sealed as Christ own forever. God loves you. And so do we. Amen. By what name shall this child be baptized? Dela Kavir. Oh, here we go. Dela, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For you are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. Oh. God loves you just as much, <laughs> and so do we. Amen. I don't know if she'll go back to you. <laughs> hey, sweetie. <laughs> By what name shall this child be baptized? Hey, Colin. Hey, buddy. Colin Edward, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are marked and sealed as Christ's own forever. God loves you so much, and so do we. Amen. Layla Emerson Black, Stuart Wilson Coleman, Colin Edward Fulrich, Riley Lynn Hurley, Faye Dela Scoville, and William Luke Winkleman are now received into the Holy Catholic Church. Through baptism, God has made them members of the household of faith to share with us in the priesthood of Christ. Friends, it is time for you to meet the newest members of our family. And so our clergy team, it took every single one of us. <laughs> and we are, uh, we're going to introduce you to these folks. And as we introduce you to them, we want you um, to know them because you've made some promises to them. Will you come to me this time? No, it's not going to go this well. Let's walk the guy. Um, as we welcome them to this community of faith, let us join in singing Raindrops, Oceans, Lakes, and Rivers. This way. She said that was a parting part too.
so as um, our elder sponsors come forward and light the candles, it is our custom here at Preston Hollow to give families candles to mark this uh, spot on their journey. Because many of these children, all of these children will not remember today. It is our job to remind them of the holy moment that was baptism. All the water on the floor, the hugs they gave, the sighs that they sighed. It's our job to continue to pray for them and to raise them in the faith. And so we invite these families on the anniversary of this day, on the anniversary of their child's baptism, to light these candles, to tell them how this moment happened, and to remind them of God's love. Friends, let us stand and unite our voices, our hearts, and our souls in singing our closing hymn. church in the world, go knowing that God sees you. God sees the world differently than we do. For God sees us all as children of God. And so as we go, share that good news with the world. And may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in all our ways. Amen.